This podcast is sponsored by The Coldest Water, a company at war with hot. They believe that the coldest things are the best things in life. Built for athletes and high performers, they are famous for creating the coldest water bottles to the coldest pillow to the coldest ice packs. They have even developed the coldest dog bed and dog bowl to keep your furry friends cooler during the hotter months. Get 10% off your first order by using code NOX10 at coldest.com. Hello everyone, welcome to Knox Bedtime Stories. I'm your friend Joey, here with a new episode to help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep. It's 10pm here, I hope you're all having a wonderful night and enjoying the comfort of a soft comfy bed and fluffy pillow. On tonight's episode, I'm going to walk you through a guided sleep imagery meditation where we'll sleep under the stars by a mountain stream. If you're new here to the Knox family, welcome. I hope I'm able to bring you calm and comfort at bedtime for a long time to come. From here on out, nothing exists except you, me, this beautiful fireplace, and the bed, couch, or floor you're laying on. I would like to thank our newest Patreon supporter, Roloff DeVries, Thank you very much for helping to keep the lights on here at Knox Bedtime Stories. If you love Knox Bedtime Stories and want to help add something positive to the world for everyone to enjoy, help the program by becoming a Patreon supporter. You can sign up by going to KnoxBedtimeStories.com and clicking the Patreon link. We eclipsed a million listens last week, which is a giant number for a podcast, so... Thank you for all your love and support over the last nearly two years now. Okay, if you're not already relaxing in bed, please do so now as we fall asleep under the stars by a mountain stream. Make yourself comfortable in your favorite position for falling asleep and close your eyes. Take a slow, full, deep breath and let it go. It's time to set the world aside, let go of your day, and begin your gentle transition into sleep. And take another slow, full, deep breath, and breathe out any tension. All there is to do now is relax, rest, and be restored. Imagine you're walking along a path by a mountain stream on a crisp fall afternoon. And as you walk along, you feel the ground beneath your feet and hear the gentle sound of water changing its song as you go further upstream. Where the water is shallow and rushes over rocks, it's bright and bubbly. And where the stream is wider, the water deeper, it becomes tranquil and calm. You can smell the scent of pine and the sweet fragrance of plants by the water's edge. Looking into the stream, you can see a few small trout waiting for food in the current 
or darting here and there. In a shallow pool, a pretty stone catches your eye, reflecting the late afternoon sun through the water, and you reach into the water to pick it up. Examining it more closely, you see finely webbed patterns etched into the flat oval surface, and you consider whether it might be a fossil of some kind, evidence of life lived here ages ago. You put the stone in your pocket and walk on. Soon, your path widens out onto a meadow by the stream, and you find your campsite waiting for you. It's a place you visited many times before to find peace and quiet. And you always feel totally safe, comfortable, and at home here. There's a log fire surrounded by stones waiting for you, burning softly. And nearby is a soft bed of pine needles, the perfect place to unroll your sleeping bag. It's starting to get late, and the sun has gone down, and the first stars have already begun to come out, and you're quite tired from your long hike today. So you sit down on your bed and take in the deep feeling of peace that's here for you. Perhaps you take that stone out of your pocket and look at it again in the firelight, admiring the patterns on its surface as you get a bit more drowsy. It's getting hard to keep your eyes open, so you climb into your sleeping bag and settle into your comfy bed. The stars have all come out now, and you can see the Milky Way painting the dark night sky. More stars than you could ever count. And just as you're closing your eyes, a bright shooting star crosses the sky above you, signaling the perfect end to your day. It's time to go to sleep now, so you feel your body begin to relax. Starting with your feet, allow all the tension to leave them. They've worked hard for you today and deserve a rest. And so, the relaxation in your feet finds its way into your ankles your calves, and your knees. And now, relax your upper legs, your hips, and your buttocks. And feel this relaxation flowing up into your abdomen and lower back, and your upper back and chest. And feel this peaceful, relaxing feeling flowing down your arms, into your hands, and out your fingertips, and then up into your neck, head, and face. Now your whole body is perfectly calm, relaxed, and ready for sleep. And just to make sure there's nothing left between you and a gentle full night's rest, imagine that the very top of your head opens and outflow any thoughts that might still be trapped inside to find their way into the beautiful starry night sky where they drift out of sight. Now you're all clear. Don't forget to close the top of your head 
Soon, you'll be sound asleep, off on a peaceful journey into dreamland that will carry you all the way through the night. So you begin to follow your breath and inwardly repeat the words soft, sleep, deep, peace. Soft, sleep, deep, peace. Have a wonderful, restful sleep, deep and peaceful. All right, now that we're fully relaxed, let's join our friends on an adventure in the Hundred Acre Woods, in which Christopher Robin leads an exposition to the North Pole. One fine day, Pooh had stumped up to the top of the forest to see if his friend Christopher Robin was interested in bears at all. At breakfast that morning, a simple meal of marmalade spread lightly over a honeycomb or two, he had suddenly thought of a new song. It began like this, Sing Ho for the Life of a Bear. When he had got as far as this, he scratched his head and thought to himself, that's a very good start for a song, but what about the second line? He tried singing Ho two or three times, but it didn't seem to help. Perhaps it would be better, he thought, if I sang high for the life of a bear. So he sang it, but it wasn't. Very well then, he said. I shall sing that first line twice, and perhaps, if I sing it very quickly, I shall find myself singing the third and fourth lines before I have time to think of them, and that will be a good song. Now then, sing ho for the life of a bear. Sing ho for the life of a bear. I don't much mind if it rains or snows, cause I've got lots of honey on my nice new nose. I don't much care if it snows or thaws, cause I've got a lot of honey on my nice clean paws. Sing ho for a bear, sing ho for a poo, and I'll have a little something in an hour or two. He was so pleased with this song that he sang it all the way to the top of the forest. And if I go on singing it much longer, he thought, it will be time for the little something, and then the last line won't be true. So he turned it into a hum instead. Christopher Robin was sitting outside his door putting on his big boots. As soon as he saw the big boots, who knew that an adventure was going to happen? And he brushed the honey off his nose with the back of his paw, and spruced himself up as well as he could, so as to look ready for anything. Good morning, Christopher Robin, he called out. Hello, Pooh Bear. I can't get this boot on. That's bad, said Pooh. Don't you think you could very kindly lean against me? Cause I keep pulling so hard that I fall over backwards. Pooh sat down, dug his feet into the ground, and pushed hard against Christopher Robin's back. And Christopher Robin pushed hard against his, and pulled and pulled at his boot until he had got it on. And that's that, said Pooh. What do we do next? We are all going on an expedition, said Christopher Robin, as he got up and brushed himself. Thank you, Pooh. Going on an exposition, said Pooh eagerly. I don't think I've ever been on one of those. Where are we going to on this exposition? 
Expedition, silly old bear. It's got an X in it. Oh, said Pooh. I know, but he didn't really. We're going to discover the North Pole. Oh, said Pooh again. What is the North Pole, he asked. It's just a thing you discover, said Christopher Robin carelessly, not being quite sure himself. Oh, I see, said Pooh. Are bears any good at discovering it? Of course they are. And Rabbit and Kanga and all of you. It's an expedition. That's what an expedition means. A long line of everybody. You'd better tell the others to get ready while I see if my gun's all right. And we must all bring provisions. Bring what? Things to eat. Oh, Pooh said happily. I thought you said provisions. I'll go and tell them. And he stumped off. The first person he met was Rabbit. Hello, Rabbit, he said. Is that you? Let's pretend it isn't, said Rabbit, and see what happens. I've got a message for you. I'll give it to him. We're all going to an exposition with Christopher Robin. What is it when we're on it? A sort of boat, I think, said Pooh. Oh, that sort? Yes. And we're going to discover a pole or something. Or was it a mole? Anyhow, we're going to discover it. We are, are we, said Rabbit. Yes. And we've got to bring Pro, things to eat with us, in case we want to eat them. Now, I'm going down to Piglet's. Tell Kanga, will you? He left Rabbit and hurried down to Piglet's house. The Piglet was sitting on the ground at the door of his house, blowing happily at a dandelion, and wondering whether it would be this year, next year, something or never. He had just discovered that it would be never, and was trying to remember what it was, and hoping it wasn't anything nice, when Pooh came up. Oh, Piglet, said Pooh excitedly, we're going on an exposition, all of us, with things to eat, to discover something. To discover what, said Piglet anxiously. Oh, just something. Nothing fierce. Christopher Robin didn't say anything about fierce. He just said it had an X. It isn't their necks, I mind, said Piglet earnestly. It's their teeth. But if Christopher Robin is coming, I don't mind anything. In a little while, they were already at the top of the forest, and the exposition started. First came Christopher Robin and Rabbit, then Piglet and Pooh, then Kanga, with Roo in her pocket, and Owl, then Eeyore, and at the end, in a long line, all Rabbit's friends and relations. I didn't ask them, explained Rabbit carelessly. They just came. They always do. They can march at the end after Eeyore. What I say, said Eeyore, is that it's unsettling. I didn't want to come on this expo, what Pooh said. I only came to oblige. But here I am, and if I am the end of the expo, what we're talking about, then let me be the end. But if every time I want to sit down for a little rest, I have to brush away half a dozen of Rabbit's smaller friends and relations first, then this isn't an expo, whatever it is, at all. It's simply a confused noise, 
That's what I say. I see what Eeyore means, said Owl. If you ask me, I'm not asking anybody, said Eeyore. I'm just telling everybody. We can look for the North Pole, or we can play here. We go gathering nuts in May with the end part of an ant's nest. It's all the same to me. There was a shout from the top of the line. Come on, called Christopher Robin. Come on, called Pooh and Piglet. Come on, called Owl. We're starting, said Rabbit. I must go. And he hurried off to the front of the exposition with Christopher Robin. All right, said Eeyore. We're going. Only don't blame me. So off they all went to discover the pole. And as they walked, they chattered to each other of this and that, all except Pooh, who was making up a song. This is the first verse, he said to Piglet, when he was ready with it. First verse of what? My song. What song? This one. Which one? Well, if you listen, Piglet, you'll hear it. How do you know I'm not listening? Who couldn't answer that one? So he began to sing. They all went off to discover the pole, owl and piglet and rabbit and all. It's a thing you discover, as I've been told, by owl and piglet and rabbit and all. Eeyore, Christopher Robin, and Pooh and rabbit's relation all went too. And where the pole was, none of them knew. Sing hey for owl and rabbit and all. Hush, said Christopher Robin, turning round to Pooh. We're just coming to a dangerous place. Hush, said Pooh, turning round quickly to Piglet. Hush, said Piglet to Kanga. Hush, said Kanga to Owl, while Roo said hush several times to himself very quietly. Hush, said Owl to Eeyore. Hush, said Eeyore in a terrible voice to all Rabbit's friends and relations. And hush, they said hastily to each other, all down the line, until it got to the last one of all. And the last and smallest friend and relation was so upset to find that the whole exposition was saying hush to him, that he buried himself head downwards in a crack in the ground, and stayed there for two days until the danger was over, and then went home in a great hurry and lived quietly with his aunt ever afterwards. His name was Alexander Beetle. They had come to a stream which twisted and tumbled between high rocky banks, and Christopher Robin saw at once how dangerous it was. It's just the place, he explained, for an ambush. What sort of bush? whispered Pooh to Piglet. A gorse bush? My dear Pooh, said Owl in his superior way, don't you know what an ambush is? Owl, said Piglet, looking round at him severely. Pooh's whisper was a perfectly private whisper, and there was no need. An ambush, said Owl, is a sort of surprise. So is a gorse bush sometimes, said Pooh. An ambush, as I was about to explain to Pooh, said Piglet, is a sort of surprise. If people jump out at you suddenly, that's an ambush, said Owl. It's an ambush, Pooh, when people jump at you suddenly, explained Piglet. Pooh, who now knew what an ambush was, said that a gorse bush 
had sprung at him suddenly one day when he fell off a tree, and he had taken six days to get all the prickles out of himself. We are not talking about gorse bushes, said Al a little crossly. I am, said Pooh. They were climbing very cautiously up the stream now, going from rock to rock, and after they had gone a little way, they came to a place where the banks widened out at each side, so that on each side of the water, there was a level strip of grass on which they could sit down and rest. As soon as he saw this, Christopher Robin called, Halt, and they all sat down and rested. I think, said Christopher Robin, that we ought to eat all our provisions now, so that we shan't have so much to carry. Eat all our what, said Pooh? All that we've brought, said Piglet, getting to work. That's a good idea, said Pooh, and he got to work too. Have you all got something? asked Christopher Robin with his mouth full. All except me, said Eeyore, as usual. He looked round at them in his melancholy way. I suppose none of you are sitting on a thistle by any chance. I believe I am, said Pooh. Ow! He got up and looked behind him. Yes, I was. I thought so. Thank you, Pooh. If you've quite finished with it, he moved across to Pooh's place and began to eat. It don't do them any good, you know, sitting on them, he went on as he looked up munching. Takes all the life out of them. Remember that another time, all of you. A little consideration, a little thought for others makes all the difference. As soon as he had finished his lunch, Christopher Robin whispered to Rabbit, and Rabbit said yes, yes of course, and they walked a little way up the stream together. I didn't want the others to hear, said Christopher Robin. Quite so said Rabbit, looking important. It's, I wondered, it's only Rabbit. I suppose you don't know, what does the North Pole look like? Well, said Rabbit, stroking his whiskers. Now you're asking me. I did know once, only I've sort of forgotten, said Christopher Robin carelessly. It's a funny thing, said Rabbit, but I've sort of forgotten too, although I did know once. I suppose it's just a pole stuck in the ground. Sure to be a pole, said Rabbit, because of calling it a pole. And if it's a pole, well, I should think it would be sticking in the ground, shouldn't you? Because there'd be nowhere else to stick it. Yes, that's what I thought. The only thing, said Rabbit, is where is it sticking? That's what we're looking for, said Christopher Robin. They went back to the others. Piglet was lying on his back, sleeping peacefully. Rue was washing his face and paws in the stream, while Kanga explained to everybody proudly that this was the first time he had ever washed his face himself. And Al was telling Kanga an interesting anecdote, full of long words like encyclopedia and rhododendron, to which Kanga wasn't listening. I don't hold with all this washing, grumbled Eeyore. This modern behind-the-ears nonsense. What do you think, Pooh? Well, said Pooh, I think. But we shall never know what Pooh thought, for there came a sudden squeak from Rue, a splash, and a loud cry of alarm from Kanga. 
So much for washing, said Eeyore. Rue's fallen in, cried Rabbit, and he and Christopher Robin came rushing down to the rescue. Look at me swimming, squeaked Rue from the middle of his pool, and was hurried down a waterfall into the next pool. Are you all right, Rue dear? called Kanga anxiously. Yes, said Rue. Look at me swim. And down he went over the next waterfall into another pool. Everybody was doing something to help. Piglet, wide awake suddenly, was jumping up and down and making ooh, I say noises. Ow, was explaining that in a case of sudden and temporary immersion, the important thing was to keep the head above water. Kanga was jumping along the bank, saying, Are you sure you're all right, Rue dear? To which Rue, from whatever pool he was in at the moment, was answering, Look at me swimming. Eeyore had turned round and hung his tail over the first pool into which Rue fell, and with his back to the accident, was grumbling quietly to himself and saying, All this washing, but catch on to my tail, little Rue, and you'll be all right. And Christopher Robin and Rabbit came hurrying past Eeyore and were calling out to others in front of them. All right, Rue, I'm coming, called Christopher Robin. Get something across the stream lower down, some of you fellows, called Rabbit. But Pooh was getting something. Two pools below Rue, he was standing with a long pole in his paws, and Kanga came up and took one end of it, and between them, they held it across the lower part of the pool, and Rue, still bubbling proudly, look at me swimming, drifted up against it, and climbed out. Did you see me swimming? squeaked Rue excitedly, while Kanga scolded him and rubbed him down. Pooh, did you see me swimming? That's called swimming, what I was doing. Rabbit, did you see what I was doing? Swimming? Hello, Piglet. I say, Piglet, what do you think I was doing? Swimming. Christopher Robin, did you see me? But Christopher Robin wasn't listening. He was looking at Pooh. Pooh, he said, where did you find that pole? Pooh looked at the pole in his hands. I just found it, he said. I thought it ought to be useful. I just picked it up. Pooh said Christopher Robin solemnly. The expedition is over. You have found the North Pole. Oh, said Pooh. Eeyore was sitting with his tail in the water when they all got back to him. Tell Rue to be quick, somebody, he said. My tail's getting cold. I don't want to mention it, but I just mention it. I don't want to complain, but there it is. My tail's cold. Here I am, squeaked Rue. Oh, there you are. Did you see me swimming? Eeyore took his tail out of the water and swished it from side to side. As I expected, he said, lost all feeling, numbed it. That's what it's done, numbed it. Well, as long as nobody minds, I suppose it's all right. Poor old Eeyore. I'll dry it for you, said Christopher Robin. And he took out his handkerchief and rubbed it up. Thank you, Christopher Robin. You're the only one who seems to understand about tails. They don't think, 
That's what's the matter with some of these others. They've got no imagination. A tail isn't a tail to them. It's just a little bit extra at the back. Never mind, Eeyore, said Christopher Robin, rubbing his hardest. Is that better? It's feeling more like a tail, perhaps. It belongs again, if you know what I mean. Hello, Eeyore, said Pooh, coming up to them with his pole. Hello, Pooh. Thank you for asking, but I shall be able to use it again in a day or two. Use what, said Pooh? What we are all talking about. I wasn't talking about anything, said Pooh, looking puzzled. My mistake again. I thought you were saying how sorry you were about my tail, being all numb, and could you do anything to help? No, said Pooh. That wasn't me, he said. He thought for a little, and then suggested helpfully. Perhaps it was somebody else. Well, thank him for me when you see him. Pooh looked anxiously at Christopher Robin. Pooh's found the North Pole, said Christopher Robin. Isn't that lovely? Pooh looked modestly down. Is that it, said Eeyore? Yes, said Christopher Robin. Is that what we were looking for? Yes, said Pooh. Oh, said Eeyore. Well, anyhow, it didn't rain, he said. They stuck the pole in the ground, and Christopher Robin tied a message onto it. North Pole, discovered by Pooh. Pooh found it. Then, they all went home again. And I think, but I am not quite sure, that Roo had a hot bath and went straight to bed. But Pooh went back to his own house, and feeling very proud of what he had done, had a little something to revive himself. This podcast is sponsored by The Coldest Water. Get 10% off your first order by using code NOX10 at coldest.com. In which Piglet is entirely surrounded by water. It rained and it rained and it rained. Piglet told himself that never in all his life, and he was goodness knows how old three was it or four, never had he seen so much rain. Days and days and days. If only he thought, as he looked out the window, I had been in Pooh's house or Christopher Robin's house or Rabbit's house when it began to rain. Then I should have had company all this time instead of being here all alone with nothing to do except wonder when it will stop. And he imagined himself with Pooh saying, did you ever see such rain Pooh? And Pooh saying, isn't it awful Piglet? And Piglet saying, I wonder how it is over Christopher Robin's way. And Pooh saying, I should think poor old rabbit is about flooded out by this time. It would have been jolly to talk like this. And really, it wasn't much good having anything exciting like floods if you couldn't share them with somebody. For it was rather exciting. The little dry ditches which Piglet had nosed about so often had become streams, the little streams across which he had splashed were rivers, and the river between whose steep banks they had played so happily had sprawled out of its own bed and was taking up so much room everywhere that Piglet was beginning to wonder 
whether it would be coming into his bed soon. It's a little anxious, he said to himself, to be a very small animal, entirely surrounded by water. Christopher Robin and Pooh could escape by climbing trees, and Kanga could escape by jumping, and Rabbit could escape by burrowing, and Owl could escape by flying, and Eeyore could escape by... by making a loud noise until rescued. And here am I, surrounded by water, and I can't do anything. It went on raining, and every day the water got a little higher, until... Now it was nearly up to Piglet's window. And still, he hadn't done anything. There's Pooh, he thought to himself. Pooh hasn't much brain, but he never comes to any harm. He does silly things and they turn out right. There's Owl. Owl hasn't exactly got brain, but he knows things. He would know the right thing to do when surrounded by water. There's Rabbit. He hasn't learnt in books, but he can always think of a clever plan. There's Kanga. She isn't clever, Kanga isn't, but she would be so anxious about Rue that she would do a good thing to do without thinking about it. And then there's Eeyore, and Eeyore is so miserable anyhow that he wouldn't mind about this. But I wonder what Christopher Robin would do. Then suddenly, he remembered a story which Christopher Robin had told him about a man on a desert island who had written something in a bottle and thrown it in the sea. And Piglet thought that if he wrote something in a bottle and threw it in the water, perhaps somebody would come and rescue him. He left the window and began to search his house, all of it that wasn't underwater. And at last, he found a pencil and a small piece of dry paper, and a bottle with a cork to it. And he wrote on one side of the paper, Help, Piglet, me. And on the other side, It's me, Piglet, help, help. Then he put the paper in the bottle, and he corked the bottle up as tightly as he could. And he leaned out his window as far as he could lean out without falling in and he threw the bottle as far as he could throw. Splash. And in a little while, it bobbed up again on the water, and he watched it floating slowly away in the distance, until his eyes ached with looking. And sometimes, he thought it was the bottle, and sometimes, he thought it was just a ripple on the water which he was following. And then suddenly, he knew that he would never see it again, and that he had done all that he could do to save himself. So now he thought, somebody else will have to do something, and I hope they will do it soon, because if they don't, I shall have to swim, which I can't, so I hope they do it soon. And then, he gave a very long sigh and said, I wish Pooh were here. It's so much more friendly with two. When the rain began, Pooh was asleep, it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and he slept, and he slept, and he slept. He had had a tiring day. You remember how he discovered the North Pole? Well, he was so proud of this that he asked Christopher Robin if there were any other poles such as a bear of little brain might discover. There's a South Pole, said Christopher Robin, 
and I expect there's an East Pole and a West Pole, though people don't like talking about them. Pooh was very excited when he heard this, and suggested that they should have an exposition to discover the East Pole. But Christopher Robin had thought of something else to do with Kanga, so Pooh went out to discover the East Pole by himself. Whether he discovered it or not, I forget, but he was so tired when he got home that in the very middle of his supper, after he had been eating for a little more than half an hour, he fell fast asleep in his chair and slept and slept and slept. Then suddenly he was dreaming. He was at the East Pole, and it was a very cold pole with the coldest sort of snow and ice all over it. He had found a beehive to sleep in, but there wasn't room for his legs, so he had left them outside. And wild woozles, such as inhabited the East Pole, came and nibbled all the fur off his legs to make nests for their young. And the more they nibbled, the colder his legs got, until suddenly he woke up with an owl. And there he was, sitting in his chair, with his feet in the water, and water all around him. He splashed to his door and looked out. This is serious, said Pooh. I must have an escape. So he took his largest pot of honey and escaped with it to a broad branch of his tree, well above the water. And then he climbed down again and escaped with another pot. And when the whole escape was finished, there was Pooh sitting on his branch, dangling his legs and there beside him were ten pots of honey. Two days later, there was Pooh, sitting on his branch dangling his legs, and there beside him were four pots of honey. Three days later, there was Pooh, sitting on his branch dangling his legs, and there beside him was one pot of honey. Four days later, there was Pooh, and it was on the morning of the fourth day that Piglet's bottle came floating past him, and with one loud cry of honey, who plunged into the water, seized the bottle, and struggled back to his tree again. Bother, said Pooh, as he opened it. All that wet for nothing. What's that bit of paper doing? He took it out and looked at it. It's a message, he said to himself. That's what it is. And that letter is a P. And so is that, and so is that, and P means poo. So it's a very important message to me, and I can't read it. I must find Christopher Robin or Owl or Piglet, one of those clever readers who can read things, and they will tell me what this message means. Only, I can't swim. Bother. Then he had an idea, and I think that for a bear a very little brain, it was a good idea. He said to himself, If a bottle can float, then a jar can float, and if a jar floats, I can sit on top of it if it's a very big jar. So he took his biggest jar and corked it up. All boats have to have a name, he said, so I shall call mine the Floating Bear. And with these words, he dropped his boat into the water and jumped in after it. For a little while, 
Pooh and the floating bear were uncertain as to which of them was meant to be on top, but after trying one or two different positions, they settled down with the floating bear. Underneath, and Pooh triumphantly astride it, paddling vigorously with his feet. Christopher Robin lived at the very top of the forest. It rained and it rained and it rained, but the water couldn't come up to his house. It was rather jolly to look down into the valleys and see the water all around him, but it rained so hard that he stayed indoors most of the time and thought about things. Every morning, he went out with his umbrella and put a stick in the place where the water came up to. Every next morning, he went out and couldn't see his stick anymore. So he put another stick in the place where the water came up to, and then he walked home again. And each morning, he had a shorter way to walk than he had had the morning before. On the morning of the fifth day, he saw the water all around him and knew that for the first time in his life, he was on a real island, which was very exciting. It was on this morning that Al came flying over the water to say, how do you do, to his friend Christopher Robin. I say, Al, said Christopher Robin, isn't this fun? I'm on an island. The atmospheric conditions have been very unfavorable lately, said Owl. The what? It has been raining, explained Owl. Yes, said Christopher Robin, it has. The flood level has reached an unprecedented height. The who? There's a lot of water about, explained Owl. Yes, said Christopher Robin, there is. However, the prospects are rapidly becoming more favorable. At any moment, have you seen Pooh? No. At any moment, I hope he's all right, said Christopher Robin. I've been wondering about him. I expect Piglet's with him. Do you think they're all right, Owl? I expect so. You see, at any moment, do go and see, Owl. Because who hasn't got very much brain, and he might do something silly. And I do love him so, Owl. Do you see, Owl? That's all right, said Owl. I'll go. Back directly, and he flew off. In a little while, he was back again. Who isn't there, he said. Not there. Has been there. He's been sitting on a branch of his tree outside his house with nine pots of honey. But he isn't there now. Oh, Pooh, cried Christopher Robin. Where are you? Here I am, said a growly voice behind him. Pooh. They rushed into each other's arms. How did you get here, Pooh? asked Christopher Robin, when he was ready to talk again. On my boat, said Pooh proudly. I had a very important message sent to me in a bottle, and owing to having got some water in my eyes, I couldn't read it, so I brought it to you, on my boat. With these proud words, he gave Christopher Robin the message. But it's from Piglet, cried Christopher Robin, when he had read it. Isn't there anything about Pooh in it? asked Bear, looking over his shoulder. Christopher Robin read the message aloud. Oh, are those peas piglets? I thought they were Pooh's. We must rescue him at once. I thought he was with you, Pooh. 
Owl, could you rescue him on your back? I don't think so, said Owl, after grave thought. It is doubtful if the necessary dorsal muscles. Then, would you fly to him at once and say that rescue is coming? And Pooh and I will think of a rescue and come as quick as ever we can. Oh, don't talk, Owl. Go on quick. And still thinking of something to say, Owl flew off. Now then, Pooh, said Christopher Robin, where's your boat? I ought to say, explained Pooh, as they walked down to the shore of the island, that it isn't just an ordinary sort of boat. Sometimes it's a boat, and sometimes it's more of an accident. It all depends. Depends on what? On whether I'm on top of it or underneath it. Oh, well, where is it? There, said Pooh, pointing proudly to the floating bear. It wasn't what Christopher Robin expected, and the more he looked at it, the more he thought what a brave and clever bear Pooh was. And the more Christopher Robin thought this, the more Pooh looked modestly down his nose and tried to pretend he wasn't. But it's too small for two of us, said Christopher Robin sadly. Three of us with Piglet. That makes it smaller still. Oh, Pooh Bear, what shall we do? And then this bear, Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh, F.O.P., Friends of Piglets, R.C., Rabbit's Companion, P.D., Hole Discoverer, E.C., and T.F., Eeyore's Comforter and Tailfinder. In fact, Pooh himself said, Something so clever that Christopher Robin could only look at him with mouth open and eyes staring, wondering if this was really the bear of very little brain whom he had known and loved so long. We might go in your umbrella, said Pooh. Question mark. We might go in your umbrella, said Pooh. Two question marks. We might go in your umbrella, said Pooh. Exclamation points. For suddenly, Christopher Robin saw that they might. He opened his umbrella and put it point downwards in the water. It floated but wobbled. Pooh got in. He was just beginning to say that it was all right now when he found that it wasn't. So after a short drink, which he didn't really want, he waded back to Christopher Robin. Then they both got in together and it wobbled no longer. I shall call this boat the Brain of Pooh, said Christopher Robin. And the Brain of Pooh set sail forthwith in a southwesterly direction, revolving gracefully. You can imagine Piglet's joy when at last the ship came in sight of him. In after years, he liked to think that he had been in very great danger during the terrible flood. But the only danger he had really been in was in the last half hour of his imprisonment when Owl, who had just flown up, sat on a branch of his tree to comfort him and told him a very long story about an aunt who had once laid a seagull's egg by mistake. And the story went on and on, rather like this sentence, until Piglet, who was listening out of his window without much hope, went to sleep quietly and naturally, slipping slowly out of the window towards the water until he was hanging on by his toes, at which moment, luckily, a sudden loud squawk from Owl 
which was really part of the story, being what his aunt said, woke the piglet up and just gave him time to jerk himself back into safety and say, how interesting, and did she? When, well, you can imagine his joy when at last he saw the good ship Brain of Pooh, Captain C. Robin, first mate P. Bear, coming over the sea to rescue him. Christopher Robin and Pooh again. And that is really the end of the story, and I am very tired after that last sentence. I think I shall stop there. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you found the show helpful and want to make sure it's around for others to enjoy, please go to KnoxBedtimeStories.com and click the Patreon button. There are various rewards, and it ensures the show will be here for a long time to come. I wish you all a good night's sleep and a happy, peaceful life. May the best of your todays be the worst of your tomorrows. Good night.